Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I'm, I'm going to a very unusual text. So if you would, let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, and verse 26. And for the next few moments, try to stay with me, okay? And I, I always tell you I preach much shorter when I think people are staying with me. When I look out there and I see you uh, kind of drifting, then I feel like I need to repeat myself. And I, that's not really fair to the people who are listening. So you get the picture. Praise God. Boy, I'm glad to see Brother Charlie and Sister Linda here tonight. Sister Linda, I baptized her in somewhere around 1970, no, no, I came to Waterville in 76, so 77, that, that sounds more like it because I wasn't there until 76, so 77, right in that area, baptized in Jesus' name. And kind of lost touch with her over the years. And I was so delighted when she contacted me a while back. And then when Charlie came and, and God gave him a tremendous healing from cancer. Yes. This man was looking at some dire situations. And in one prayer... God healed him. And he went back to the doctors. Doctors said they can't find any cancer now. We thank God. We thank God. So I'm going to go to this book of Proverbs chapter 30, verse 26. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up. If not, look up on the wall and you'll see it there. The conies are but a feeble folk. Yet make they their houses in the rocks. I have never in my life preached from this verse before. But I feel to do so tonight. So if you see me struggling a little bit, throw an amen. If you see me really struggling, start shouting hallelujah. And we're going to try to preach what the Lord has laid on my heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for this beautiful day and these wonderful people, Lord, that I have the honor to address tonight. I pray, God, that you bless each and every one of them. Help us, oh God, tonight. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I never really thought about Coney High School when I was reading this, but it says the conies are but a feeble folk. <laughs> Yet make they their houses in the rocks. And I never really thought about that as far as the high school. It has nothing to do with that. But I found that the coney was a different kind of an animal. I always thought because the coney, isn't, aren't they called the coney rams? But a coney is not a ram. So I, I got to look in the Word of God, and I 
I read this scripture in Proverbs chapter 30, and guess what? I begin to look that look is plump, but unlike the rabbit, its ears are short. It lives in holes and clefts of the rocks in Israel. And you're thinking, boy, what in the world is he going to preach from that? Well, stay with me and I'll show you. I got to thinking about this and praying about it, and I realized that the Bible is saying that the conies are aware of their inability to protect themselves from predators. They're a feeble folk, and because they sense how defenseless they are, they build their homes in the rocks. And as I begin to read that, I begin to think, make your homes in the rocks. They are safe, the conies are, when they are in their burrows in the rocks. They are safe from harm when they're tucked into their little dwellings in the rocks. They find safety from their enemies in the clefts of the rocks. No monarch in his impregnable fortress is more secure than this coney in his rocky burrow. The master of 10,000 chariots is not one whit better protected than the little dweller in the cleft of the rock. The conies are but a feeble folk, but make their houses in the rocks. It reminds me of an incident in the life of the great man of God, Moses. Now, you do believe that Moses was a great man of God, right? God used him to write the first five books of the Bible, so that guess, I guess that pretty much elevates him pretty high. He was the writer of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when I think of Moses, I think of deliverer. I, I think of leader, lawgiver, prophet of Israel. And the Bible says about Moses, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. That's pretty awesome. And yet, even this great man of God recognized his need of protection. He prayed, show me now thy way. He cried out that I may know thee. He prayed that I may found, find grace in thy sight. These are all quotes from Moses. He humbly prayed, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And he entreated the Lord and said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. God responded to Moses' sincere dependence upon God, and the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. 
And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. He said, Behold, there is a place by me. Does anybody want to find that place where God is right now? You want to find that place that's in his presence? He said, This is what I'm going to tell you. He said, Thou shalt stand upon a rock. Thou shalt stand upon a rock. And he said, I will put thee in a cleft of the rock. When the storm is blowing, when the enemy is searching, when you hear the boots of the enemy, when danger is close by, I will put thee in a cleft of the rock. There is a cleft of the rock where God can hide you. When the storms are blowing and when things are not going the way you think they should. A cleft in the rock that is too small for your adversaries. A cleft so small that you might misunderstand God's purpose and consider it restrictive. God may give you a little cleft in the rock that you might think, wow, this is prohibitive. It's very narrow. But it is when God has you in the cleft of the rock that God shows you his glory. Now in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to build my house in the rocks. The Coney are just feeble folks, but they know where their safety is. And God has called you. Ladies and gentlemen, be not afraid. He is drawing you. Everybody that's here tonight, you didn't come because you just got an idea to come. I believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I believe we're here in the church because God is drawing us. Come on. I, I just wish a few people would believe what I'm saying tonight. God is drawing us. Was it by chance that these families came to a, a fall fest and then come back and getting baptized in Jesus' name. The hand of God is drawing us and leading us and guiding us. Hallelujah. He demands obedience from us. You may not be able to follow other people. You may not be able to measure yourself by other Christians. And sometimes God will seem to let others do things that he will not let you do. You're not always going to understand and you may be tempted to bolt and run. But he says to you tonight, I will cover thee with my hand. Oh, I thank God tonight for the protecting hand of the Lord that's upon us. Look, it may seem like sometimes that things have gone a little crazy, and they have. It may seem like sometimes that we're walking through unusual times, and we are. 
We are racing the coming of the Lord. It is the end time, and there's lots of stuff that is happening in the political realm, in the scientific realm, in the health realm. Everywhere you look in the religious world, there's all kinds of stuff going on. We are racing right now to the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. Behold, he says, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And the preacher lifts his voice and says, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. There's a reason why God has brought you to this church. It is because the coming of the Lord is very near. And now, above all other things, we must be ready for the coming of the Lord. And we must help somebody else to get ready. Can I hear an amen? We are living, and I don't say this to be frightening, but we are living in dangerous times. But that shouldn't surprise Christians because it was prophesied that in the last days perilous times would come. So this is not like, oh my God, what's gone wrong? No, you just don't understand. We're just very, very close to the coming of the Lord and it was predicted that in the last days perilous times would come. And men are lovers of pleasure and, 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 and they go crazy over all the things that they go crazy over. But the church right now is shaking out the wrinkles. You get wrinkles from sitting down. Washing off the spots. You get spots by doing things you shouldn't be doing. And any such thing, and we're getting ready. Matter of fact, Jesus could come right now. There's nothing to hinder the Lord from coming tonight. Listen, everybody needs to wake up. If you need to go like this, it's okay with me. But you need to wake up. We're on the final round. This is the last lap. We see Jesus, and he's about to come. And everybody, come on now. You need to get on fire for God. Wake out of your slumber. Wake out of your sleep. Don't be Laodicean. Don't live for God half-heartedly. It's not a party. It's a race. And if we're going to make it, there's some things we better be aware of. God places us in the cleft of the rock, not because he doesn't love us, but absolutely because he does love us. He places us in the cleft of the rock to protect us and our little ones. And he says to us, I will cover you with my hand. Now, I can't stop prophecy from being fulfilled, nor would I try. I know that right now we're watching and, and it's happening so fast but my concern is not just with the, those who are just coming in, and I thank God for all of you and, and those who are yet to come. My concern is for folks who, who have been living for God for quite a while. And I mentioned this this morning. This got a hold of me. God spoke to me about this. I never even noticed this before. But when Jesus was lost by his parents, they had had him 12 years. They had become accustomed to him. 
They had become accustomed to him being around. And when he was 12 years old, they lost him. And I'm watching folks, and I'm concerned, and I'm praying, because the attack is not just those against those who do not know the Lord. And the attack is not just against those who are newly starting their walk with God. But those of us who have been living for Jesus for years, for many years, now is the time when we need to really reach out to God, hold on to the Lord, and get our hearts rededicated and reconsecrated. Because when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus, they lost him after they'd had him 12 years. How long have you had Jesus? Time is not on your side. The conies are a feeble folk, but they dwell among the rocks. I see people all the time who do not realize that we are at war. And they don't realize how vulnerable they are. They don't realize that they need to pray every day. They don't realize that they need the Word of God in their life every day. They don't realize that they need to be in the house of God to hear whatever the Lord is going to say to the church under the church of Augusta. This is what the Lord says. And so some of these people, they live out in the the danger zone. They're saved. They love God. But they're getting a little bit too far from the rocks. The conies are feeble folks, but they make their houses in the rocks. It seems like it would be awful easy in these last few moments before the coming of the Lord. For folks not to realize the blessing that God has given to us and the need we have for each other and the need we have for the Word of God and the need we have for the church and the need we have for everything that God has placed in our lives. You see, sometimes because we have been so wonderfully protected, we may have gotten to the point where we feel like it's safe to range a little further from the rock. It's just a restrictive cleft anyway. Brother Stevens and I used to laugh at a story, and, I, and I'm sure I won't remember it properly, but we used to laugh about a story that was about shooting the chicken out in arrows. And it was a story by Pat McManus. Does anybody remember hearing about that? Oh, good. I can tell it like I want. (laughs) So the general gist of the story is these three friends decided to take their dog and go on a deer hunting trip. And a good portion of the trip would be made by raft. I still remember Brother Stevens and I get this picture in a canoe going down the Belgrade stream in November. And we were going to sneak up on some deer. Well, we found out something. When there's just this little tiny skim of ice on the top, you're not sneaking up on anybody. 
because it goes crash, bang, crash, crash, crash. I've looked on, back on that years later and thought, how silly was that? Not only that, but I was thinking, if somehow we capsized that canoe, neither one of us were coming back. God's been so very gracious, so very precious. But these three friends were taking their dog and going on a deer hunting trip, and they were floating down a river on a, on a raft, loaded to the gunnels with camping and hunting equipment. It was a float trip that would take several hours, and it was a, a float trip of about 30 miles. And they were warned before they took off by an elder who knew a lot better than they. He said, you better watch out for the narrows. They said, yeah, right, we'll be watching for the narrows. And they took their raft, and they went on their trip floating downstream, talking, laughing, and then they heard it. The sound of white water. And they tensed up, and they got their paddles, and it was tough, but they made their way through it. And on the other side, they said, ha, the narrows, ha, ha, that wasn't such a bad thing. We're going to call it the chicken out narrows. Wait till we get back and tell our friends, ha, 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 what an easy thing it was. We negotiated the narrows, and we're going to call it the chicken out narrows. So they drifted, and they snoozed, and they thought, well, since we're already through the rough part of the river, we'll go ahead and float through the night and we'll be at our place where we want to go hunting so they're taking turns snoozing and sometimes they're both snoozing and one of them awakened and sat bolt upright because he heard the sound of something fearsome like a big roar coming from downstream and it was hard to see because it was nighttime and all they could see was by star and moon but they looked up and they saw, oh my goodness, the banks have become great big cliffs on both sides and it's getting narrow. And suddenly they realized that they had made a mistake. They had not gone through chicken out narrows. They had only gone through a small patch of white water. They were heading them to chicken out narrows in the dark of night. They thought they had mastered the worst the river had to offer. But they now knew better. The momentum of the river picked up considerably. The banks grew higher and higher. And now the river sounded like thunder and snap. They were sucked into the narrows. They said their paddles broke like matchsticks. And instead of being on the raft, they said the raft ended up being on them. 
And one boy said he found himself paddling with his bolt action 30 out 6. And the other said he was paddling with his dog. Somebody just got it. <laughs> they lost their gear. And they nearly lost their lives. Now that's just a funny story, okay? But I want to remind you that just like the Coneys, we are a feeble folk. Yet we are perfectly safe when we make our houses in the rocks. There are some rocks that God has placed in our lives that we dare not stray from. The first rock is the rock of Bible truth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Don't stray from that rock. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know me and understand and believe that I am he. Before there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Don't stray from that rock. Several years ago, a preacher friend of mine took a ride in a small aircraft. He was not a pilot. He was riding with the pilot, and it was nighttime, and they had an electrical failure. And all they had was a flashlight with some ever-ready batteries in it. The engine's still turning, but their electrical system has failed. And they came to a water tower. Illinois has a lot of flat land, and a lot of the towns have a water tower with the name of the town on the side. So they circled this water tower. And the pilot said, I think I'm going to try to go on. And my friend said, oh, no, you're not. You stay circling this tower. So they circled the tower. And then they saw the blue lights of a police car come on as it pulled over a speeder. And he said, we're going to take it down and we're going to get his attention. And so they took the plane down and buzzed the car. And the policeman got the idea. And he got several other cars and they surrounded this big field. And they turned their headlights on that field. Because they knew that little plane was in trouble. They got that plane down in that field. And my friend got out and kissed the ground. Everybody was safe. While they were flying, however, a message in tongues went out. And the interpretation was uh, God said he was going to keep them safe and they were going to make it. I just want to tell you right now, uh, there, there's some, some rocks we need to keep in our life. And stay close to it. And when you hear the boot tread of the enemy, it's okay to go into the cleft of the rock. For the conies are a feeble folk, but they make their houses in the rocks. The revelation of God's word is a great safety for your soul. Don't walk away from it for tradition. Don't walk away from it for convenience. Don't walk away from God's word because it's easier. Most usually when people try to, to do something that's the easiest way to live for God, they're usually going away from God. This is not the easiest church in town to attend. 
we do not have the most liberal congregation in the world. We are not going to make you try to feel good every time you come here. We hope that you will feel well when you leave, but we're going to preach the unadulterated Word of God and let the chips fall where they fall. But when you stand before God, you'll be glad that you were part of a church where they stayed with the rock of truth and they wouldn't deviate from it. For one day you will hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The rock of the church is another great safety. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to notice that the promise that was given was given to the collective church. It was not given to the lone wolf. It was not given to the person who says, me and Jesus got our own thing going, and we got it all worked out. We don't need anybody. We don't need anything. The promise of the gates of hell not prevailing were not given, was not given to an individual. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, shall not prevail against the church. It is promised that the powers of hell shall not prevail against the church. You know why? Because we do well when we're together. We are a formidable enemy to the devil when we are at unity. Listen, every time the devil tries to take somebody out, he's, well, I won't say every time, 90% of the time when he tries to take somebody out, he's going to try to do it through offense. I can't believe my pastor did that. I can't believe the, the youth pastor said what he said. I can't believe that the Sunday school teacher did what it was. I, I can't believe that the deacon or the, or the, the usher, I, I, I tell you, I watched him. He was watching what I put in the offering plate. Ninety percent of the time when the devil wants to take somebody out, he has to try to alienate you from the believers. He has to try to get you by yourself. And it's an amazing thing. Even if your name is David, you miss enough church and you'll start thinking about things differently. David said, I started being envious at the prosperity of the wicked. And I said, I've cleansed my hands for nothing. While these other guys are getting away with murder until I came to the sanctuary. And then I understood their end. And I said, oh my God, how they are cast down into slippery places. He said, I was speaking like a fool. Listen, we need one another. We need the word of God. We need the counsel of the pastor. We need the word of God to be taught and preached. We need the elders. We need brothers and sisters to look us in the eye and say, you know what? That wasn't the brightest thing you've ever done. Because we're feeble folk. But we make our houses among the rocks. I thank God for the elders that have paved the way to get us where we are today. 
I thank God for all of you tonight when, when you gave so sacrificially in just a few moments. I thank God for you. You see, the devil knows that the work of God can really go forward when the people of God are pressing together as one and we're saying in the name of Jesus we will build a new building. In the name of Jesus we will see missions increase. In the name of Jesus we will reach the children of our city with our Sunday school. In the name of Jesus Christ we will praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ we will be true to the word of God. In the name of Jesus we're going to be with God. We're going to do his will and let him hide us in the cleft of the rock. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost I feel right now. Love the Lord Jesus. Love the Word of God. Love the body of Christ. And never stray too far from it. You hear me. When the devil decides to take you out, he usually has to get you by yourself. I don't know of anybody that's ever been taken out of the church that stayed true to the Word of God, stayed true to the fellowship. Some of you would rather be dancing and shouting right now, but right now this is what you need to hear. I am not preaching to people that I do not love. I'm preaching to people that I love, and here's the deal. I want you to make it all the way home. I've cried over enough people that didn't make it home. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to see everybody prosper and make it. I, I want to see you being used of God. I want to see you walking in the center of God's will. I want you to do great and mighty things for God. I want you to be fruitful and productive and blessed. I want you to be blessed with good health and good wealth. I want to see you be used of God in a mighty way. And I know what it takes to make it over the long haul. You see, here's what I know. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, and them that perish because... That have received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, and that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, when I look at that, it makes me sit up and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build my house in the rocks here. I'm going to be in the, the cleft of the rock because I understand that the mystery of iniquity is already at work. I know that the mark of the beast is already on its way. But I also know that only he who letteth will let until it be taken out of the way. Who's that? That's the Holy Ghost in the church. And by the way, the old English word let means hinder. So only he who will hinder will hinder until he's taken out of the way. In order for the devil to get to you, he's got to get you away from the church. Because the Holy Ghost in the church will hinder him from doing what he wants to do. So he's got to get you upset at somebody. He's got to get you mad at somebody. He's got to get you isolated by yourself because that's how he does his work. 
Only he who now hindereth will hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. What? How does this work? Because they received not the love of the truth. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. The story of Esau screams to me right now, and I won't be but just a little Thank you so much for listening. Esau was the son of Israel. He was the son of a prince. Because Israel means the prince that prevails. Esau was the son of Israel, the prince that prevails. Esau was the possessor of the birthright by right of birth. He was born with the birthright. Because of his birth, he had the right of the birthright. It was a favored position. He, received, he would receive a double portion of his father's assets. He would receive a special blessing from his father. The leadership of the family was destined to go to him. He had it all, and he traded it all for one bowl of soup. Now, I know the devil doesn't want you to hear what I'm saying tonight. But I'm just more stubborn than than the devil ever thought about being. I understand that Esau was the possessor of the birthright. It was given to him by right of birth. I understand that you are the possessor of the gift of the Holy Ghost that you got by right of being born again. I understand that Esau also despised his birthright. In other words, he didn't realize how important it was until he lost it. Then he cried and he cried and he cried and he tried to get it back, but he couldn't get it back. The Bible says, though he sought it carefully with tears. He tried to find a place of repentance and was not able to find it. You know what disturbs me today? I see people that are blessed with gifts. They have the gift of the Holy Ghost. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. They're a part of the one God, Jesus' name, church that the Bible calls the bride of Christ. And they have no idea how important it is, what they have, and how precious it is. They don't realize that if they ever leave this or lose this, they'll never get it back. I'm not talking about backsliding. I'm talking about going beyond backsliding. You know who I'm more concerned about today than than I am people who are lost? I'm more concerned about people who are lost who think they're saved. Because those people don't even know that they need to repent. They don't even know that they need. What's going on? In some cases, God has sent them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Well, why would he do that? Because they received not a love for the truth. Let me tell you what. What you have is precious. Mom and dad, boys and girls, hear me. What you have, if you're a Holy Ghost-filled person, what you have is without price tag. Don't allow it to leave. Don't allow yourself to dwell 
away from the security of the things that God has placed in your life. The conies are feeble folk, but they make their homes among the rocks. And I know that this flesh is weak, but I make my home among the rocks. I'm going to hold on to that, that rock of truth. I'm going to hold on to that rock of the fellowship. I'm going to hold on to that rock of my brothers and sisters. I'm going to hold on to that rock of accountability. I want to make it all the way home and I believe that there are many people here tonight who want to make it all the way home I just can't get this off my mind some of you folks you have no idea how many times your name has been called to the Lord in prayer in the last several days you just you don't know and it's okay I'm not going to come and tell you. But some of you, I've called your name in tears, and I've cried to God, God, in the name of Jesus, please help me. I don't want one soul to be lost. And something keeps coming to my heart. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? All the days of my life. Doesn't do you any good to dwell in the house of God some of the days of your life or a few of the days of your life or almost all the days of your life all that ends up in one place called H-E-L-L but here's what I want I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life I want to serve the Lord for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion there's that rock again. He's going to hide me in that cleft of the rock. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. What? He shall set me up upon a Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know if, if you'll receive this or not. But there's not a one of you tonight that the Lord doesn't love. And I can say there's not a one of you that I don't love either. A pastor's broken heart comes from people who allow themselves just to be a temporary part of the church. And they're there for a while. And they love the Lord. And they serve the Lord for a while. And then... Offense comes. Something happens. A bright light shines over here somewhere in the peripheral. And then you see they're starting to stray away and you try. You, you do everything you can to, to try to persuade them to make that course correction. And when they won't do it, you watch as they end up going through chicken out and arrows. And it was a funny story, but it's not funny anymore now. Because it's somebody I love. And we, we broke bread together. We prayed together. We shared heartbeats together. We taught the Bible to them. Many of them I baptized or I taught a Bible study to. And then to see them get blown out of the saddle when it didn't have to be that way. 
if they would have just stayed connected to the rock. I've been in this a long time. I've watched people come and go. I've seen people that were amazingly gifted that didn't stay in the race. And I've seen people who were amazingly intelligent that didn't stay in the race. And I'll tell you what, it, it hits me right there and I think, God, if there's any way that you could help me to say what I need to say to keep people walking on the straight and narrow and make them realize that what God has for them is truly in their best interest and it's going to be okay. That God has bright things for their future. Only don't let the enemy lure you away from the rocks because he knows the conies are a feeble folk and he knows your safety is going to be in the cleft of that rock. So he's going to try to get you. Come on out here a little further. Now back up just a little bit more. Now back. Ah, there you go. Right where I wanted you. Must not. Cannot. Will not. In Jesus' name. How many want to make it all the way home? Would you lift your hands with me right now? And would you praise the Lord with all of your heart and say, God, I hear the pastor tonight and I want to make it home all the way home. God, I don't want to be in that group of people that used to be a Pentecostal, that, that used to be apostolic, that, that used to be filled with the Holy Ghost, that, that used to live for God. I don't want to be in that group of people, God, but I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's my heartbeat tonight. I'm sharing with you my heartbeat. I want everybody to make it home. Let me ask you. Would you please, those of you who have been living for God for some time, would you please pick up your prayer life? It's so easy to let it start sagging. Don't let that happen. If you're praying... You're more than likely going to be okay. When the doors are open for service, would you do yourself a favor and walk in the house of God? And when you walk in, say, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And when you walk in, would you just say, Lord, I want to enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. And would you make God feel like he's the most important one in your life? And so when we start praising God, just give God real praise. And, and before church ever starts, before the pastor ever says it's prayer time, why don't we just find a place to pray and say, God, you know, tonight I, I really want to see somebody get saved. So I'm coming to talk to you now for a few minutes before service starts because, Lord, I want every person that comes to be saved tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so close to the coming of the Lord right now. Please, surely you can hold on a little longer. Surely you can hold to this truth a little longer. Young person, young person, just because mama's living for God doesn't mean you're living for God. Surely you can get a hold of God tonight. What, what, Pastor, why are you talking like this? Because 
Because Jesus may come tonight and I really want you to make it. Now every head's bowed and every eye's closed and I'm sorry if this wasn't the most eloquent message in the world. Forgive me. But I've shared with you my heartbeat. And I'm wondering, is there anybody in this house tonight that needs to say, God, I've been, I've been getting ranging out a little bit too far from the rocks. I need to get myself back close to, so that when I need to, I can be hidden in the cleft of the rock. Lord, I used to, well, forgive me now, I'm going to start meddling. I used to be in church on Wednesday nights. I'm just busy now. God, I, get, I need to get back to the cleft in the rock. I, I used to work for God, but I'm so busy now. I don't have time for that anymore. Hey, 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 hey. What's going on? We're racing the rapture. Somebody, is there anybody here tonight that will say, God, let me feel your presence one more time. I feel like there's, there's at least one young person here tonight that hasn't felt God's presence in a long time. I'm not knocking you. I'm entreating you. I'm begging you. How long has it been since you felt the presence of God? Would you let God have his way in your life tonight? What about some of our precious elders? And please, I'm not judgmental. I, I love you so much. Wonder what would happen tonight if you were to recommit your life and say, God, I want that fire back. I want that excitement that I once had back. I want to live for you with all of my heart. Please help me, God. I need to make my house among the rocks. Where are you tonight? Oh, God, are you really going to ask me that? think so where are you is there anybody in this house tonight that says God wait a minute hold on listen to me how many of us have unsaved loved ones you have unsaved loved ones boy we really need to turn up the heat right now because they don't have much time to get back. I can't let this light go out. Will somebody help me? I can't let this light go out. I need your help to keep it burning. It may not be the easiest, but it's the best. And I'm waiting for somebody to lead the way right now. To walk up to the front of this church and say, God... I didn't start this to be one of those people that make it part way but don't make it home. By the grace of God, I'm going to make it all the way home. And I'm going to help some little ones make it too. And, and, and while they're coming, if you just slip down with them, I know who you are and God knows who you are, but if you just slip down with those and bow before God right now. I, I, 
I think you could really get somewhere tonight because God's calling us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let me feel your presence one more time. Reassure me, Lord, that I am dying. Lord, you know we're living in the darkest night. Lord, you know what's going on in our world right now. But God, I'm going to make my house among the rocks. Those rocks, stability that you place, you said in your word, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I'm going to be here. God, I've got to be here. There's somebody still out there that's counting on my prayers, counting on my dedication, counting on my consecration, counting on me. I, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. I got people that are counting on me, and you have people that are counting on you, and, and they need you to be in that situation of prayer. They need you to be in fellowship. They need you to be loving God and serving God. Oh, is there anybody here tonight that would join the pastor and say, Pastor, we want this revival to go on. We don't want it to stop. We don't want it to be a temporary revival. I've been in this a long time. I know what it takes to make it all the way home. I beg of you to listen. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Now, Father, we commit our lives into your hands right now. You see those who have responded. You see those who are saying, Lord, this is not just a temporary game for me. But, Lord, I want to live for you all the days of my life. Lord, I know there's lots of people who at one time were living for you, and now for whatever reason, they always had good reasons, but they're not here anymore. Many of them have walked away, Lord, into error and problems and troubles. But tonight, I commit my way to the Lord. I commit my life to Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of you would just come up and join us right now, whether you need it or not. Just come and join us in prayer. You don't have to get real close. You can socially distance, but just come on up and stand with us, whether you're a visitor or whether, or whether you've been here a thousand times. It doesn't matter. You're all loved here. Just make your way down and say, God, here I am. I give myself to you. Oh, Lord, let your will be done in my life tonight. Let your will be done in the lives of those that you want me to influence. Here I am. I give myself to you. I give myself to you, Jesus. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am. God bless these young people. God bless these moms and dads. God bless these single adults and husbands and wives. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm going to make it all the way home. This is not just a temporary thing for me. This is something that I've made up my mind. I'm going all the way with Jesus. Here I am, Lord. I commit my way to you. Now, would, could we all lift our voices? And if you would just pray really intense for a few moments, there's going to be something happen right now. God wants something to happen right now. Let's lift up our prayers to the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. 
You are worthy. Hallelujah. You are worthy. Oh God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for every soul that's committed their life to you. I thank you, Lord, for every person who's saying, Jesus, I want to serve you. And that's final. Hallelujah. All the days of my life, oh God. All the days of my life. Forgive me for every time I've failed. Forgive me for every time I've strayed. But oh God, now I pledge to live for you all the days of my life. Hallelujah.